so you guys don't take clamshells anymore. No. You know, so it's it's got to be coin no coin <laughs> of the realm. <laughs> yeah. the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. My guest today is Stephanie Howe of Ted Brown Music, and I'm going to let her do a little bit more of a formal introduction. Um, Yeah, we'll start like that. So, Stephanie, welcome to this train wreck of an episode because we've laughed already. So, welcome. Can you please tell us about Ted Brown and about your involvement here? Well, Ted Brown Music has been in business since 1931. We are a third generation, training the fourth. Um, so we think we have a little staying power. We're our 90th anniversary is this year, and I'm planning to be around for the 100th. <laughs> God willing. Um, <laughs> so uh, I started. Okay, that's, I wanted to know, when did you start at Ted Brown? <laughs> Everybody goes, how long have you been working for Ted Brown Music? Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, 61. So I'm 61 years. Um, but uh, yeah, started washing walls when I was a kid to earn a little couple extra bucks, dusting TVs and radios and stereos. Uh, then my official start date was 12-25-85. So I started on Christmas. I was the only worker that day. It was very quiet. How did you avoid the Christmas rush? I worked on Christmas Day <laughs> and we were closed. <laughs> so dad just picked a day. Dad, dad over Charlie said you're starting on the on Christmas. Start. There you go. Yeah. What was your first official job at Ted Brown? Um, part-time sales. Part-time sales. Yeah. I did that during high school and during the summer. And then when I got out of school, I actually graduated in historical costuming. I wanted to work for a museum. That was not easy to do. <laughs> no, no, that that's cool, but not. I, so after, uh, after college, I went to go work as a seamstress making wedding gowns. And that lasted about a year and a half. And being young and stupid, I said, hey, I think I deserve a week paid vacation. And she said, hey, that's not going to happen. Okay, I have to quit. And I'm going, oh, darn, that was a mistake. (laughs) Don't quit a job unless you have another job. Career advice. Career advice. And so then... I needed a job. (laughs) So I worked part-time sales for Frederick and Nelson and part-time sales for Ted Brown Music. And then after what we call rental season or September got over with, they said, hey, we still need some filing down in the office. And I said, I still need money. So (laughs) yes, of course, I would be happy to file. And filing turned into our receptionist at the time saying, I'm so glad you're here. I'm quitting. Bye. And literally walking out the door. Did she have another job? No. (laughs) (laughs) By this time, she had, well, she was a friend of my parents. So she was back on her feet again and didn't need the job. So she quit. (laughs) Okay. And it wasn't a good fit anyway. All right. So growing up, was it, and I, I don't know anything about your family, so I don't, I, siblings, how many? There's four of us in the family, four girls. Okay. So. Were you all encouraged to work in the family business or were you discouraged from working in it? Encouraged is a, not exactly what I would say it was. Dad would say, hey, you need money, get in the car. Okay. And we'd go into work. Okay. So you, you had <laughs> we, a built-in. We were encouraged to work outside the store, though, too. Okay. So I picked a lot of berries growing up. I've done some other things. Uh, I worked at a coffee shop through college. So, yes, there are other things that we have done. My oldest sister married a guy in South, from South Carolina who owns a music store. 
Mm. They met at a music event, probably because of conventions. Yes. And my youngest sister uh, lives in Indiana and she was a communication specialist and she went to go do a publishing of their sorority newsletter, moved to Indiana and never moved back. Okay. So neither one of them, the oldest is actually a school teacher, fifth grade, very loves it a lot. Good. So that's what she does. And then my younger sister, Whitney is president. Okay. And your title here is vice president. And do you have another title? And I am executive director of the Ted Brown music outreach. Which is what we're here to talk about after we get the backstory here. <laughs> Which is self-imposed. <laughs> Which is self-imposed. Okay. Are you musically inclined? I love to listen to music and I love to help other people make music. Good answer. Thank you. Because the answer is no. Because that's what it is for me, too. I love that answer. I'm going to have to remember that. I love that answer. Okay. I was encouraged to play in band for a number of years and to take piano lessons. Uh Uh-huh. And let's just say my skills do not lie in that direction. Okay. Fair enough. But here you are running a music store, music stores. Plural. And it's business and you know, you've got accounting and all those things that go across and you, you could this could be an insurance office and same sort of back end stuff has to be done. But you're selling musical instruments and you're dealing with very creative people. How's that for a fair statement? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a lot of times they say, Can I pay you with this instead of actual cash? And it's no. So you guys don't take clamshells anymore? <laughs> no. You know, so it's it's gotta be Coin, no yeah. coin of the realm. <laughs> yeah. No Bitcoin. No Bitcoin? Yeah. Yet. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Who knows? Right. I'm, right. Jury's still out on that for me. I'm not trusting. So today in 2021, is define, describe to me Ted Brown music today in 2021 because it's evolved through the years. So as I wandered around the store here today before, because I was early and I was just wandering around and i saw lots of guitars harp drum cellos basses lots of instruments Mm -hmm. what's ted's ted brown's niche if you will is it is it the school music programs school music programs yes um what we call band and orchestra okay um and anything to do with school musical programs Uh, a lot of times that also includes mariachi Right. Uh, ukulele, uh, guitar things, um, cool. elementary music, which is the xylophones and metallophones. And, is it the um, recorder? Recorders. We have a ton of recorders. <laughs> how did that name? I just have totally, like, I warned you, this is going to be a weird question. How, how did that thing ever become called a recorder? Do you have any idea? And it if was, not, make something up because it'll be fun. Oh, okay. Uh, well, <laughs> back in the Middle Ages... A guy named Record decided, hey, let's put some holes in this stick, and they made a recorder. I don't know. It was there long before actual recording equipment happened. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, that was, Cut that part. No, no. That's the whole point of this. It's like we have fun. Well, because I remember growing up here in the area, Ted Brown was kind of the place you went to to get your rental instruments. My son got his bassoon from you guys when he went to Thank st- you. stadium. We won't. Um, and I told you that yeah. off, off mic, but, um, and so I think of Ted Brown as this band, mm-hmm. band and orchestra, but you know, you've got a lot of Stratocasters and right. tele- Telecasters hanging on the walls. I saw some recording equipment. So you're doing more than just school right. stuff. So Ted Brown Music Company, or Ted Brown himself, started off by, he was hired by Sherman Clay during the Depression to close the Sherman Clay piano stores in the Northwest. Okay. What an elegant job to have. (laughs) Foreclosure. Anyway. um, (laughs) (laughs) So 
he decided that the Tacoma location was actually still viable. And so he arranged to purchase it. And so he purchased Sherman Clay in Tacoma. And it was a piano store. Then the war hit and couldn't get a lot of musical instruments. So he sold whatever he could get Mm. his hands on keep the doors open. And then with the electronics and TVs and radios and stereos and things like that, we started carrying records. We started moving into that direction. And then we saw that he saw, I shouldn't say we, because I had yet to be born yet. Please (laughs) note um, that that was going to big boxes like now we would call them Costco and Target. And but like, would it be like Sears back? Was Sears getting into the game, if you will? Sears was always there. Okay. Sears has always been there, but not as a big player as far as a lot of those goes. Um, so we're going the profit margin on those went from a decent margin to whatever it was down to like one percent. So just in case you're wondering, there is no margin in TVs. I don't know what it is now, but back then it sort of, it just sort of like vanished overnight with these big boxes that thought selling more was better than selling for a profit. Mm -hmm. For all of you at home that need to know what that is, that's G-M-R-O-Y, look it up. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's my little business lesson for the day. There we go. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so we started getting out of the TVs and that sort of stuff. Then piano started going to um, being more of a furniture kind of thing. And it was starting to get difficult in the 70s to play, play by the piano manufacturer's rules. And at that time, the manufacturers were changing quickly. Um. And we had two guys come to us and say, hey, we think you should open up pro audio, audio equipment and doing all the, uh, you know, live sound and things like that. So my dad at the time said, sure, let's get rid of pianos. Pro audio moved in. Okay. And ever since then, we've gotten more and more into audio equipment and staging and soundproofing and microphones and things like that. Okay. To the point now that we actually do ground to finished installations. So somebody's going to build a school, we can go in and help them put in their sound system, their microphones, their TVs, whatever. Oh, um, we call that AVL audio visual lighting. So, I did not know you guys did that. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm, I know all things Ted Brown. I don't. I did not. I had no clue. It's based out of our Richland store. So right now we do it all over the state and sometimes in Oregon. Um, but our crew is based out of there. Uh, and they will put schools, courthouses, uh, music venues, uh, we've done a number of wineries oh, really? <laughs> that have music venues right. in them or, you know, little things. So not only can we do it, you know, if you've already got a building built and you want just a portable sound system or redo something that you've got, we can do that. Or you want it built into the walls and you're starting from the ground up, we can do that. So hmm. we're general contractors as well as okay selling the equipment. I, okay. You want to do it yourself, you go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. So one of the questions I'd like to ask, and, and, and I'm trying to f- figure out how to phrase this one with you today. So during your career here, have you guys ever brought a product line in that you thought this was going to be awesome? And it was a total disaster. And I asked not to, be, I, I have a reason for asking you that type of question. So, did you guys ever? Yeah. Not necessarily a total line. There were a number of items that I can remember. I thought when I was in high school, the greatest thing in the world were these posters that had song lyrics on them. And my dad, being 
the encouraging dad that he was said, sure, let's get those in. Yeah, I had to buy a lot of those. (laughs) Um, So there's that. We had Leslie speakers, you know, the the cool psychedelic Leslie speakers. We had a pair of those in our downtown store when we closed that store in 2001 and moved out here. (laughs) Did you leave them behind? No, we finally sold them. Okay. I don't know how much we got for them, but... I, I ask because we always learn something from these experiences, right? And so that's why I was like, it's like, and in this, in the music industry, as especially as computers and technology, I mean, the thing we're recording this on today, my hand is bigger, you know, mm-hmm. and yet I can, and you guys sell these, by the way. Cool. Yeah. It's yeah. a Zoom. Yeah. yeah, it's a Zoom. You guys sell these. And we, I'm, un, I'm unimpressed with this one, to be honest with you. I have an older model built better. This works great, but it's like feels like cheap pot. Not that you had anything to do with that, but it's amazing that we carry this around. You and I are having this conversation and it fits in a a small bag. So, and we're not in our recording radio studio. Right. So it's kind of cool. Ted Brown started here and it's got multiple locations. What was the, what was the company's impetus to, to besides growth, but I mean, what strategically, why did you guys help me out here? Help me with that question. Okay. (laughs) So we saw that the Tacoma Mall, a lot of business was going to the Tacoma Mall, and we opened our second location in there in 1969, and we had a 20-year lease. Okay. Holy crap. You can't get a 20-year lease these days. No. Not too many companies would want a 20-year lease. Yeah, it would be terrifying. It would be. (laughs) It would be terrifying. So we had that on... So we've had those two locations. We've always had two locations since 1969. Um, I got married in 1986 and moved to Yakima, Washington with my husband that worked for Ted Brown Music. And I, my dad thought I was going to continue to be making dresses for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to do that. Um, I, I, I seriously did not want to do that. And I started talking to my sister. And she went back to my dad and said, you know, she wants to come back to the store. And so dad gave me a job and said, figure out where we should open up another Ted Brown. And Yakima was not it. The Tri-Cities was. Okay. Why? Because there were three music stores in Yakima, and Yakima's not that big of a, and it definitely wasn't back in the 80s. Um, But the Tri-Cities was a booming population, Mm -hmm. and that's where we decided to move. And so we moved, we opened that location in 1987. Yakima changed over the next four years, and there was suddenly space in Yakima for a full-line music retailer. Mm -hmm. And so we opened another location in Yakima at that time. In 94, we decided that we were going to computerize completely. Oh. (laughs) That was my job. Oh. So (laughs) I went from being in front of being a salesperson and being a manager of a location to being behind the scenes, which is where I'm much more comfortable. Give me a computer any day of the week. Much preferred over going down and, I mean, I still do like going down and talking to customers and stuff, but as a day to day, I'm, that's not where my comfort level is. Um, But computers and me, we have a good affinity. But then Silverdale. Yes. And Seattle. Yes. And when did those stores come about? Yes. Yes. Those stores came about at some point. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, they did. Silverdale came about, I can't remember whether it was before we moved into this location. So, it was around 2000. Okay. Um, once again, we had the opportunity and the space, and it seemed to be a good deal. And it has worked out. 
Then there was a little issue with Spokane, which we're not talking about. <laughs> Two years. Okay. Then um, everybody kept saying, why are you not in Seattle? Why are you not in Seattle? Well, Seattle's an expensive place to be. We're not exactly sure where we would go. And the opportunity came up to purchase a business called Capital Music in Seattle on 50th and Roosevelt. Okay. That's a pretty good location, 50th and Roosevelt. And it's a small, tiny location. Um, and it was a good, it was, it was the right time, the right place, the right opportunity. And so we purchased that and that's been going for about seven years now. Okay. And you're based here out of Tacoma. Yes. Do you go to the other stores much? Or do you sit behind your computer screen like like I prefer to do as well? So <laughs> I sit behind my computer screen. You see, you've seen my desk. The computer screen is all you see of me. Yes. I cannot look across my desk. <laughs> I understand. All right. Which is very mean. No. But, so, you guys, this is your 90th anniversary. You've obviously yes. been doing something right for 90 years because any. I think the thing that we do right is that we may look like a big ship. Mm-hmm. But if something's not working, we can change tactics mm-hmm. quickly. We were in pianos. We don't have pianos anymore. Right. You know, we were in TVs and stereos and radios. We don't And do posters that. with lyrics. And posters with lyrics, you know. <laughs> well, and records. And we, at one point, sold our sheet music business because we were not computerized and this other company was computerized and they said, Hey, we're coming. You can either join us or compete against us. And we said, we'll join you. Um, they have since moved out. And so we're back in the sheet music business. Uh, is this, you know, is it our main business right now? No, we do not. Downtown, we devoted a whole floor to sheet music because that's what, was necessary at the time these days they look and listen online and then decide to purchase so they're still buying music but and they're still buying it from us it's Mm -hmm. just that we don't have to keep the stock okay so that space is opened up for something else right okay so now let's let's shift gears to the outreach yeah how did that come about my happy spot okay Good. Well, I thought computers were your happy spot. Well, yeah. <laughs> when did, when did, what's the story behind Ted Brown Music's outreach? How did it get started? And let's go start with that. Uh, it got started because we wanted to run what we call exploration camps. Okay. And the idea was that, well, I shouldn't say the idea. What was happening is that we were not allowed to advertise in the schools unless you're a nonprofit. And so I was challenged with make us a nonprofit. I said, okay, because <laughs> you know, somebody gives me a challenge. I'll take it. <laughs> I, I was, yeah, was going to make a joke. Like, well, have you looked at the books? Where? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, so anyway, we, what we really quickly found out was people have always come to us and say, Hey, I've got this instrument. I want to donate it to a school. And we've always said, what, what, what do you want us to do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't understand, you know, I can't do anything about that. I can't help you go to the school. Right. Um, so now they can bring the instrument to us, any of our six locations, um, drop it off get a notice that says, you know, thank you for donating to the outreach. And then we send it through our shop and our repair techs volunteer time to uh, repair instruments. And sometimes instruments are so well loved. They are unrepairable. Um, And sometimes they make very good lamps. (laughs) Sometimes they make wall hangings. Other times they make good recycling. So we fix what we can and get them back to the kids that can't afford them. So if somebody can't afford to rent or purchase an instrument, they fill out the form online at tpmoutreach.org. We'll put a link to to that in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, it comes to me. And if we can fulfill it, 
than we do. Uh, we do ask that now we ask that they also include a free or reduced lunch ruling because we do want to make sure that these instruments are going to the kids that can't afford them. Um, a lot of times I have gotten calls where, you know, we're just right above the threshold for the free or reduced lunch, but we just can't make it work. And so they call me and we work things out. We chat for a while, but, uh, so that's part of what we do is give out instruments and then. Okay. So I have questions about instruments. Okay. What's the most commonly donated instrument? Clarinet. Okay. What's the most commonly instrument given out? <gasps> Clarinet. <laughs> okay. Has there, so I have a history in nonprofit where we were collecting things and selling things and pe- things would be donated and things would be sold. So amazing things have been donated sometimes unintentionally not knowing that the hope diamond was in, you know, that has no. there ever been a, a ridiculously interesting instrument donated? Yes. Well, uh, Mark six tenor saxophone. I don't, it's, it's about a seven to $8,000 instrument. Wow. Um, wow. It, it was not donated directly to us. It was donated to another uh, organization that we partner with. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to go to, you know, a school, a school district. And it was going to go into a school district's pool of instruments where the kids could play. And uh, I told them, you don't want to do that. That is not the right place for this instrument. You need to have the right player. Because if you just give it to the next kid in line, it's going to get beaten up and Mm -hmm. It's not where not not where it belongs. It belongs in a better place. So what happened with that instrument then? They did sell it. They and did. we did sell it for them to one of our customers. Okay. So So you do if something nice comes in, uh that Yeah, the outreach itself has mm-hmm. never gotten anything super like that. Okay. Um it's it's more often, you know, people come in and say, hey, I've got this Stradivarius violin because it says Stradivarius on the little piece of paper inside. And I'm going, yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> but thanks for playing. Um, they're, they're all accounted for. Trust me. <laughs> right. Yes. They're all under lock and key. Okay. But, you know, sometimes we do get better instruments. And so I recommend that. You know, we hold on to them until we find the player for them. Okay. Um, and sometimes we'll get a better player that we just don't have that better instrument for. So the outreach uh, does have funds that they can purchase, that we can purchase an instrument for that better player. Okay. Um, if we don't have anything that's okay. has been donated. So what age group? Do these typically go to because you're not giving it to a, a, a first year no. clarinet? Well, maybe the clarinet you are. Well, but, yeah, the <laughs> but. the regular student line band instruments that we get lots of, mm-hmm. and we fix them up and we give them out to first year students. Okay, first year, second year students. Okay. Um, if somebody comes to me that they said they're in high school and they've been playing for five six years, then we try to find. You know, we get some wood clarinets, and so we try to give those wood clarinets to the kids that have been playing. We've got some, we've had a couple of open hole flutes, and we make sure we give those to the kids that have been playing a long time because those instruments need extra care, and you care for them, and they'll care for you and give you a better sound. Right. Okay. That's not all you guys do, though. No. During the summer, we have our summer programs we have Mm -hmm. the exploration camps Mm -hmm. where you can spend one week with each family of the instruments so you've got woodwinds brass string percussion and now we've also added keyboards okay so we're hoping to add guitar maybe and ukulele sometime during the winter months i don't think we can add any more during the summer so we've got that we also have jazz improv camps So for the beginner jazz player, that's maybe or the instrument. We're not going to teach you how to play the instrument. We're going to teach you how to play jazz. Okay. So you got to know a little bit. So you have to be a first or second year player 
for this and uh, we'll teach you the beginnings of jazz improvisation. And then camp B is intermediate to advanced uh, improvisation. And how long do these camps last for? One week each. One week each. And where are they held at? They're here in Tacoma. In Tacoma. Not at the store. Here at the store. They are here at the store. Okay. Yes. We have a classroom downstairs. Okay. I just must have walked past it. No, we'll have to. Oh. Uh, you kind of want to find it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you, right. got, you kind of have to you have look to, have for to know it. That. Okay. Yeah. But then you also have. Well, so let's let's stay on the jazz though. So how many how many kids a season are you guys putting through these camps? How many? We can handle about twelve kids a class. Okay. And for the jazz class, we can handle up to twenty. 24 but with covid restrictions last year was restricted to five and we did a lot with zoom last year Mm -hmm. so we had some kids coming in on zoom so and it's kind of yeah yeah it's a little it was a little iffy the the exploration camps went okay but the parents really wanted the kid by by summer last year the kids wanted out Okay. And the parents wanted them out. <laughs> okay. And so how long have we been doing these camps? When did they start? Um, 2007. Okay. So then it's quite a while. And how do students, potential participants, find out about it? We advertise in the Tacoma area through um, what they call peach char, which is an actual, the email. We, we fix the email and we send it to the, through peach char and then they send it through the, the school district and okay. then the school district emails their parents. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of an expensive adventure, but we haven't quite figured out how else to reach the parents. It's the best way to reach reach them. Right. So in the beginning, we were partnering with Metro Parks mm-hmm. here in Tacoma, and that was a good way to um, get the get get the word out there. Um, but the restrictions kind of we kind of talked about some of these things, right? And the restrictions kind of got a little wonky, um, and so. Then Peach Jar kind of took over. So we went that direction instead. Okay. And how I was introduced to the program was the, the Live It Loud program. Live It Out Loud, Live yes. Live It Out Loud. And Live It Out Loud is our eight-week rock school So how did you guys come summer. up? What, what was the inspiration for Live It Out Loud? I have to give Skip Majora from uh, Skip's Music in uh, California. Okay. I'm Total sure Skip's kudos. listening. Skip is listening. <laughs> Skip listens to everything. Um, He has had this uh, this type of program for years, uh, and I've always wanted to try to do something. So, trying to find somebody that would had spearhead it, and I found the right guy to spearhead it um, and get it started. And it's kind of taken off since then. And how many kids are going this year, twenty twenty one? How many, approximately, how many kids went through this program? 23. 23 kids. Is that approximate enough for you? <laughs> I was expecting an even number, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you had 23, and what age groups, what ages go through They this? are between the ages of 12 and 18. Okay. We have had upwards pre-COVID to having 60 to 65 kids in the program. But yeah, it really dropped with covid because last year we didn't know how it was going to be. This year it was still up in the air. Were we going to be live? Was it going to be virtual? How much of it was going to be virtual? Mm-hmm. Um, but we did finally have our final. Or I shouldn't say finally. Our final concert was at McMenamin's, mm-hmm. and it was great. The kids loved it. Standing room parents. Only. Eh, well, the well, the nice thing is at McMenamin's you can stand. Right, but they basically. I heard. I was told that they had oversold. That's what I was told. Okay. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah, go with that. I'm pretty sure I could fit more people in there. But, well, it you might know, have been a fire, fire code. Could have been a been, fire code yeah, issue. Fire code, but. But. So 23 kids went, went through this eight-week program. 
let's let's kind of how let's let's for people listening to this who might have kids that might think this is cool. Go to liveitoutloud.net. Link in the link in the show notes. Um, but walk us through the process. So, so I have a thirteen-year-old. They play. They've been playing piano for a while, and they have dreams of being in a rock band. I sign my child up. They go in and they kind of interview and play for our uh, director and maybe uh, one or two other of the mentors who are professional musicians. Um, and they get placed into a band. You know, my, my, my keyboard player likes to play country music. They, uh, you know, they're maybe 13. So I'm going to try, and they've been playing for five years. Mm -hmm. So I may try to put them in a more intermediate to advanced band because you've been playing for a while. They should know Mm -hmm. more than hot cross buns, which is where I stopped at five years. (laughs) Anyway, um, sorry. (laughs) So, but we would probably put them with like-minded kids if you want to if if they wanted to play country mm-hmm. then we would try to put them in make a country band okay. if you want to play heavy metal then we would put them in a heavy metal band this way the student who doesn't know anybody that plays guitar doesn't know anybody that sings doesn't know anybody that plays drums we put them together and right. so now they've been introduced to like-minded kids mm-hmm. that they can form a group and we make them, they seem to spend the whole eight weeks as this tight knit group. And it has been in the past where the whole group of kids makes this tight knit group. Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of nice because just because, you know, you may not meld completely with your band, Uh, You may meld with some of the other kids. So sometimes these kids will get with other kids and join it and make a different band later. Right. And then maybe next year that band comes back and tries to get more mentoring. So that's something I'd like to bring up is that it's not just necessarily one year and done. It it can be um, an ongoing process. So that's really cool. A number of kids have come back for two, three, five years. So what are you, what are they being in, words can be hard sometimes. What, <laughs> what are they being taught? They are being taught how to write music or how to write a song. Okay. You know, what, what works, what doesn't work. Sometimes rhythms, you know, learning some different rhythms and working as a group. It's really important to understand that you guys, you know, you've just been placed in this band with four other or three or four or five other people. You don't know. Mm -hmm. Do your personalities blend? You know, I don't know. So sometimes learning how to work as a group, some kids have special needs Mm -hmm. and they have to learn how to work with those special needs. Um, we have a number and you probably aren't surprised by this, but sometimes, uh, musicians can be a little ADD and a lot ADHD. So, <laughs> no. So learning how to work, especially like when all of a sudden, you know, you get a band and I can understand parents don't necessarily want to put labels on their kids and give preconceived ideas. They want the kid to thrive on their own. Mm -hmm. So they don't necessarily tell us what those special needs are. Mm -hmm. And then we find them out like a week into the program where we're going, it would have been nice to know. Mm-hmm. Because then we can create the space that is uh, helpful for that student, yeah. helpful for the other kids in the band, helpful for the mentor to know, hey, watch out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, like I said, having had a special needs child, I understand that I don't want to always put those labels on my kid. Right. So it's kind of fun to watch them grow as a group, you know, and learn how to work within the group and all the different personalities and come up with songs and get everybody's voice heard. And sometimes the levels of playing 
you know, some kids are better than other kids. And why can't you play better than me? Why can't you play up to my speed? You know, why do I have to dummy my stuff down to you? You know, and so trying to work with those things, because there is I there is no band out there that works in in sync with each other every second of the day. I really don't know of any band that can do that. So learning how to, you know, negotiate. Play well with others. Play well with others, yes. And so that's a lot of life skills also that we try to teach. You know, you're going to go out into the workforce and you're not going to necessarily like who you're working with, but this is how you get along with them. You know, the other things that we teach them, like I said, songwriting. Mm -hmm. Um, We teach them a little bit about recording. Because one of the things that we started during COVID was we started these backpacks that have recording equipment in it. It's got a, I've got Zoom cameras that they can uh, take out and mm-hmm. learn how to uh, videotape themselves. Oh, okay. They've got uh, laptops and Persona software to learn how to record um, microphone, headphones, but course nowadays everybody's very worried about those sorts of things so some of the kids are getting their own headphones and microphones but these are these are things that are in the backpack that the kids can check out and really? take home and record well that's that's very cool that now yeah is that only during the eight weeks or do you is that an option we now have 15 sets of backpacks Okay. That the kids can check out year round, and that's if they've been in the program, correct? Or is it? Yes, okay. uh, we haven't quite gotten it to anybody coming in and checking them out because you know you we, want them to come back. We want them to know. Uh, we want to know them, mm-hmm. and it's you know fifteen hundred dollars worth of stuff going out the door, right? Right. Um, yeah, so we do that. The other thing with being able to record at home, you know, everybody's doing home recordings and the recordings are pretty good, but it, we also put them in the studio recording arena. So in the past, they've, uh, been up at, uh, anyway, this year they recorded at Alma Mater, which got new recording equipment and is doing recordings out of, out of their space now. Alma mater here in Tacoma? Here in Tacoma. I didn't know that they had a recording. Well, like I said, they uh, just got a recording. Well, no, I didn't. I yeah. Didn't, yeah, they're doing oh, that. Besides that, but no, I was like, oh, okay. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so then that way uh, the kids kind of know what they want the sound is before they get into the recording studio mm-hmm. instead of in the past where they get into the recording studio and all of a sudden going, um, what should we do here? Right. <laughs> so they've got a flow. And... That's kind of fun. And this year also, last year, we did videos, mm-hmm. uh, music videos for the bands. And this year, uh, because last year was so expensive, we were doing three of the bands got chosen to do videos this year. Okay. So those will hopefully be up on the website sometime soon. Very nice. Once again, that's liveitoutloud.net. <laughs> In the show notes below. <laughs> What about after the program's over? Are you seeing the kids? Do they keep collaborating? In- yes. Okay. Yes. Because they're not because they're not going to the same school necessarily. One not might necessarily. be in the middle school and one might be in high school. So that's true. We do try to keep the ages a little bit closer, closer. if it's at all possible, mm-hmm. because an eighteen-year-old doesn't necessarily want to be well uh, with a twelve-year-old. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So we do tr- try to keep the ages. So, but they're not going to, they're all not going to Mount Tahoma or Stadium or, you know, Franklin Pierce. So they're, but they're all over, but they're staying in some cases, they're collaborating Mm -hmm. after the, because we've all gotten really good with Zoom. Mm -hmm. But um, then there's, I mean, even prior to COVID and stuff, the kids would still continue to get together. Okay. Um, yeah, wherever, either at a, a kid's house or sometimes they'll meet here. Now, what we're also doing and have started, it's probably been going now about three or four years, is we got jam nights once a month at Jazz Bones. Okay. And so the kids can sign up for a time and go up and it's like open mic. 
Very nice. Um, with backing band. So if they want to just sing, they've got a band that can play for them. So where's the ba- where's the backing band coming from? How are you guys arranging that? Mentors. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, the director sets it up and uh, gets the band. Well, let's talk about the mentors because that's you wouldn't have mm-hmm. this program without mentors. No. Can you imagine putting a bunch of teenagers together and letting them play music for eight weeks? It'd be... Without with, without somebody Maybe. saying, um, <laughs> this is how you would negotiate. You know, so, the, yes, the mentors are all professional musicians working in the area. Sometimes they'll let the kids be, in the past, they've let them be roadies. And so the kids think they're, that's great, you know. <laughs> free labor. <laughs> free labor. Oh, okay. But it also gives them somebody that they can call. Hey, you know, our band is doing so well and we've been asked to play a gig and I got a contract. Right. Dear mentor, how do I do this? <laughs> but see, that's awesome that that's you're you're putting those kids together so that they can get some some ideas. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and the cool thing is our mentors have returned year after year after year. Well, so I know some of your current mentors. At least three of them. <laughs> and one of the biggest reasons you and I are sitting here talking today is, well, you said yes. But the reason I reached out to you was at their urging that they they love doing this. They think it's amazing and they think the kids are um, a lot of fun. And we'll come back to some specifics on that. But but the mentors, I think, are getting, I, you know, I honestly, I think they're getting just as much out of it as the kids are. Oh, yeah. So it's a win-win for everybody. I think that's 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 fabulous. Um, so question. How do I want to ask this? What pleasant surprises have you heard musically from this program? You mean some of the songs? Yeah, I mean, what have you what have you been pleasantly surprised by the growth in just eight weeks? Yes, just in eight eight weeks, but mainly year after year. Uh-huh. Um we've had a young gentleman that's been in for they they're aging out this year. Um and through the years they have been kind of on the at least as far as I'm concerned in my ear kind of on the edge vocally. Okay. It's sort of like oh that one hurt. Okay. You know, um but this year, I heard him sing, and I'm just going, oh, wow. From one year, just last year to this year, it's sort of like he found his voice. Okay. And he connected with his music, and it was a beautiful thing. It was fantastic. Uh, the growth in these kids, the acceptance in these kids. You know, when we get a student, we've in the past had one student that was um, especially challenged and the band that he was placed in was super accepting Um, and they helped him and they nurtured him and he was with the program for four years till he aged out also. Okay. Uh, and every year, the growth in this student and the acceptance of these kids, you know, when people say kids are cruel, not these kids. These kids are not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard some of the things after schools and some of the other things that these kids have done. But, you know, during the program, they are super accepting. They are super chill. That's awesome. And they're fantastic kids. So what's the future hold for this program? Do you have any hopes and dreams for the program? (laughs) My hopes and dreams that it continues, that it grows, um, that it changes, and it can be placed at some of our other locations. Right now it's a space problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also have to find the right person. Like if we're going to do this in Richland or Yakima, that's a long way away Mm -hmm. from Tacoma as far as, you know, being able to hop in a car and run over there and fix something. 
So <laughs> nothing breaks. <laughs> nothing breaks. <laughs> so finding the right person over there is important. Um, and finding the right space. So just during this program, do you guys provide access to any equipment? I mean, yes. So can, can a kid come in? I don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to put you on the spot because this may be a complete no, but like, can a kid come in here and pull a Stratocaster off the wall and uh, go into the music room? If they forgot their guitar, they can borrow an instrument. Okay. A reasonable instrument. So you're not going to just turn them loose. Not on a $7,000 guitar, but maybe on a, Different Stratocaster. Okay. Um, but in the program, I mean, and when they come in to rehearse, mm-hmm. we have a backline set up. So there's drums there, there's amps there, there's keyboards oh. there, there's microphones, and there are speakers. Okay. So you come in and you've got a little, you know, setup to work with. Um, and this year, we, thanks to a grant, we get to get two whole new back lines. Oh. So both our recital space and our classroom space will have um, new back lines for next year. Okay. So that's all included in the program for the kids. That's all included in the program. Yeah. And like I said, most kids with guitars, they, they always bring their guitars in. Right. Uh, We had a violist this year, which was very cool. Yeah, that is cool. We had a rapper this year, which was very cool. Okay. Um, And, We've had other kids come in. We had one one kid come in with his uh, marching tim, uh, not timpanies, but his marching uh, toms. You know, and so that's kind of cool. So no instrument is out. Okay. So bring you know any kid can play whatever they want to at any given time. We've had a number of kids sit down and play cello during the concert, the final concert. So that's kind of fun. That's very cool. I continue to want to have a horn line in a band, but so far no, we've we had it one year. <laughs> okay. So. so what there there's a cost to the students, mm-hmm. right? What what does this this program cost? The cost is about well, this last year we charged three ninety nine. Okay. Um, the actual cost of what it costs for a student is about a thousand okay. to twelve hundred dollars per student. Okay. Are there any financial aid programs available yes. for? Okay, and how and how does that work? They apply for a scholarship. Once again, that's tbmoutreach.org. In the show notes below. <laughs> <laughs> um, and once that's approved, then they can just join the program for free. If they can afford to pay something, right? then that just, they can pay that. Okay. Uh, we've had a number of scholarship students that have you know, we're on scholarship for about three, four years. And then one year they said, oh, look, I can pay you. That's and awesome. And we're going, that is so cool. That's really cool that they can, you know, that they, A, they committed to it for multiple years and B, that they've been able to yeah. continue. What about the jazz programs and all that? Those are. All programs are available for scholarship. Okay. Once again, at tbmoutreach.org. And what does the, what are the jazz programs since they're only a week? Is there a. The jazz programs are $99 okay. for the week, and the exploration camps are $69 for the week. So these are really very affordable. I and, believe they're very affordable, and that's, yes. That's awesome to do that. <laughs> yeah. And the the jazz classes, they are taught by two jazz players in the area that are extremely well-respected. They teach at both the Tacoma Public Schools and Evergreen and... No. I think TCC. Okay. So, all right. I cannot give you their full resumes. That's They're okay. Cool. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. These are personal questions, not terrible hard personal questions. You're you're you run a music store. What yes. type of music do you like? Yes. Yes. 
Come on. You have to have, is there a genre that you gravitate towards? Probably more pop. For example, what do you, <laughs> she's looking at her phone. <laughs> what, what's currently on your, on your Spotify, if you will, playlist? What's something interesting that you're hearing? Nowadays? I believe I want my own music, so I do not do Spotify okay. or any of the radio stations. Okay. I want to pick my own music. Okay. Um, well, so I can really put you on the spot because you pick something that. I like Billie Eilish. Okay. I like Lizzo. I've not heard of that. Lizzo? I have not. But that look, there's a lot of things I don't know. Trust me, there's a lot of things. Okay. Love Lizzo. What does do, do, describe Lizzo? Um, she is a beautiful woman who believes in, if you don't like me, that's your problem. Okay. And she plays flute. Okay. Which is very cool. And she was on the Grammys. And, okay. Um, she's. What about, okay. I'm going to put you on the spot, even going, cause it's all about Washington state. Okay. I don't know where she lives. That's, yeah. Oh, I think she's from Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> or she uses Vikings. Are you, are you aware? Is there anything locally that you've been listening to or bands that you do you go out? Do you, you mentioned Jazz Bones? You mentioned McMinimans. Do you go out and see live music at all? No is a perfectly acceptable answer, by the way. Uh, no. Okay. Especially not lately because okay. you kind of can't. Um, I I like Strangely All Right. I okay. like. Jessica Lynn. Okay. I like Tracy Knoop and I've not uh, heard of that name. Kareem Candy. Those are the okay. jazz players. Right. Um, so I like jazz. I like rock. I like pop. I like. Have you ever heard Stephanie Ann Johnson? Yeah. Stephanie was a guest really early on when we started doing the music episodes. And I like her. I like uh, Kim, Fit, uh, Kim Archer. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, oh. There's a oh a duo. Oh darn, I can't remember their their names right at the moment. Something about happy centers or something like hmm. that. Uh, anyway, yeah, there's well, there's a lot. I mean, that's th- there's a lot of music, especially that's going on in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Vicky Martinez. Yeah, yeah. So, All right. So one of my questions I always ask you, I already know you're not going to help me. So I'm going to have to change it up for you. Where's a great place to get a cup of tea? <laughs> Normally it's coffee, but we, 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 in the pre-check, I learned that you don't drink coffee. Uh, tea. <laughs> I make a very good cup of tea. And I, uh, Steepers, uh, they don't, she sells at the farmer's market okay. on Proctor on Saturdays. I love her teas. I love her stevia that she does. Um, and I also like Mad Hat teas. Okay. Haven't seen them lately, though. So Yeah, once my again. daughter, when she went to the stadium, always liked to go hang out there. Ah. Yeah, she always liked that. So what type of tea are you drinking? I mean, what's your... I mean, I... Okay, so my idea of tea is like Earl Grey or something like that. So, I mean... I do like my Earl Grey. Okay. Um, I have been drinking right now. It's a tea that I bought in Spain, hmm. and it's a vanilla black tea. Interesting. It was very good. That actually sounds really kind of cool. It was very good. All right. And Steepers makes a great Earl Grey, and I got a Rooibos. Okay. It's a red tea. Mm-hmm. So when you're not running Ted Brown or running around, whatever you want, what what do you like to do in the Tacoma area? What are some interesting – you grew up here. We, yeah. we grew up here. So what are some of your – Tacoma places that you think are pretty cool. Well, I live in the Proctor district. Mm -hmm. So walking, I love walking. I love walking UPS and all all around and going over in 30th street Hill and not walking down it or up it. I was going to say, what? (laughs) (laughs) Over to it. Okay. Over to it. Yeah. So, uh, Looking at the water, I love the fact that if you, on some days when you're going down 30th Street Hill, you can see the water and the mountain and the foothills, Mm -hmm. and it's completely surrounding you. That's a stunning view. That is just awesome. I like walking down the waterfront. Um, What do you think of Point Ruston? Not to put you on the spot, because we grew up, there was... There was nothing there. I... 
we when we grew up, there was nothing there, and we would go down and sit on the beach or the rocks and stare at the water. Mm-hmm. I just I've always thought this was really funny. Remember the Osarco plant that was there, and you know I remember that big smokestack and you know all of that, and it just seems odd. I mean, well, we're not getting any younger, but um, you know it just seems odd to me that that whole area has changed, changed, changed yeah. so drastically. It's interesting to me. The fact that it could be occupied yeah. is kind of interesting to me that, you know. I never thought of that as being, you know, uh, a place to live, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, great views, but just, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember growing up and going down, um, going to Point Defiance. And from where I grew up, we would go down to the waterfront and take the waterfront the back way into Point Defiance right. or down to the ferry on Vashon and going through the tunnel down there. And I remember getting yelled at by people because it there was a sign that said, in this curve through the tunnel, please honk your horn. Right. We would always honk our horn. I had somebody actually stop in front of me as soon as we got through the tunnel and start yelling at me. And I'm going, read the sign, dude. You know? <laughs> right. But I what remember, are you honking at me? About? I remember that. I, was, I took great joy at 16 blaring my horn going through the tunnel. I did, I thought it was too. Awesome. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I can honk my horn yeah. and nobody's going to care. You know? yeah, yeah. Well, except for this one guy. But um, <laughs> but now you, you don't want to ever drive. You, you just don't want to take that way because, number one, It'll take you 10 times longer right. than just going down 30th or going down Pearl. Going down Pearl. So, no. Okay. And, yeah, sometimes it's kind of cool. Some of the, the theater down there and some of the restaurants and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So. I got a couple of friends that live down there, too. I'm going to wrap this up with two other questions. So sure. I ask musicians, but I'm going to. So I'm going to put you on the spot as a musician, which I, which you're not. Go um. Have you been to McMinimins? Have you been to the Spanish Ballroom or anywhere to see music? Yeah, and you just say, live it out loud. Just live it out. What did you think of the? What did you think of what McMinimins has done to the old Elks Bowl? We we actually got a tour of it too, and oh. that was very cool. I okay. love the artwork. There's a couple of creepy things in back halls, but other no, that than, seems appropriate though, doesn't seemed, it? Yeah. You should be like, you're like, what? <laughs> uh, well, I kind of looked at it and said, we're going to have our twelve year olds in here. Hmm. Mm, okay, but um. You know, they're they're used to seeing skeletons with two heads or things like that. You know, so okay, yeah, the internet <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um, your favorite lunch spot in Tacoma? Do you have one? Uh, I'm a very big restaurant eater. Are you? <laughs> I like restaurants. Okay. Lunch spaces, I'm usually out here by where the store is. Okay. Um, but how about on the weekends? If you're but not on working? the weekends, I like Proctor. Okay. I like Pomodoro's. I like Manny's because they got great breakfast all day long. So breakfast, unpack that. What are you, what are you liking? French toast. <laughs> really? Okay. French toast and crispy bacon. Crispy bacon. Crispy bacon. Okay. Extra crispy. Okay. None of this stuff, soft, fat stuff. You yeah. know. Dinner in Tacoma. Because things have changed since I lived here. Some of the places, they're no longer. You know, yes. and that's been that's been tough right now. But have you have you uncovered any place that's interesting lately for Still dinner? Still Pomodoro's or Europa Cafe in the Proctor District. Do you really like the Proctor District? I like walking to my restaurants. Okay. Okay. No, those are both very so, good restaurants. And Rosewood is pretty cool. I have not tried that. Where is that at? Rosewood Cafe is on oh, 26. Yes. I have tried that. It just threw me the way. I needed the cafe added to it to, to, to lodge, to like click. Okay. Yes. And we actually live a block away from another restaurant, which my husband would be very disappointed if I mentioned it okay. because he has an ongoing battle with most places. Oh, okay. Well, we'll we there's a whole parking issue in Proctor. Uh, yes. <laughs> we have problems. Yes, that's, that's true. There it is. But so. um, last question is the question what should I have asked you that I didn't? 
Um, how about you have a four foot harp outside your office? What are your plans to do with that? It's funny. I was looking at that while I was while we were getting ready, and you were on that phone call that took you longer. Um, and I was I kept I kept looking. Like, that doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> so I, I do observe that. So yes, what is the story with the four foot harp? <laughs> I am looking for a good home for the four foot harp. So if anybody out there needs to have a harp donated to them, fill out the form on tbmoutreach.org and tell me <laughs> you want a four foot harp. So what? I know nothing about harps. Now, other angels play them, and you know I'm kidding. But why a four? Why was this harp four feet? It seems small. It is small. It's what they've called an Irish harp or something like that. It's or a practice harp. It doesn't have the large. The large ones have pedals, right? And are very orchestral. Okay. Um, this one is you could use it for practice you could use it for well as a harp so and does it a have lot the same of songs of strings as no. a, nothing i didn't know. i am not a harp expert so i cannot answer that <laughs> i was question. just because yeah, to me Would it looked like know? it was just shorter not necessarily narrower yeah anyway. no it's it, it's smaller it's i don't i don't it's okay. I, I don't know that much about harps, so I can't tell you how many strings shorter it is. Yeah. I can't tell you what octaves they are. Okay. Um, I can tell you it's missing a few strings, and once we have a good home for it, we will replace those strings. Perfect. <laughs> All right. But it's kind of cool. Yeah, it was cool. It is cool looking. I mean, it really is. I mean, because I literally was like, that's kind of cool. I wonder what the story is, because it doesn't look quite normal, if right. you will. Okay. Well, thank you for making time to allow me to interrupt your afternoon. I appreciate this. I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. And I want to do what I can to help let people know about it. Thanks. So please keep it up. And uh, yeah, thank you for making this happen. Thanks for coming over. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.